This is Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast, hosted by me, Casey Smith. And on this week's show, I'm joined by the Newcastle Thunder General Manager, Jordan Robinson, and we're talking all things Rugby League in the North East. We hear about the club's Super League ambitions, the big strides made in the academy, and so much more. So, let's get into it. First of all, thanks for coming on the show. And to start off with, um, what have you made of Newcastle's start to the season? Yeah, you know, it, it was a, it's the first, um, well, second season of the championship, and it was always, you know, looking across at the uh, the rest of the squads, the very highly competitive league. Um, even though our squad went full time this year, it's still, you know, the the, the likes of your Feversons and the other teams that aren't full time probably train just as much just in the evening. So it's um yeah it's a very very competitive uh, start you know a couple of a couple of games where we went to Barrow um you know the, it was kind of whoever scored first won the game there it was in in them conditions and we're about where we anticipated being we've got a couple of big games around the corner in Dewsbury and Witness coming up um and yeah very much kind of on track to to hopefully compete for them playoff spots yeah so is that your aim then playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. You know, the well, the aim is to just finish as high as possible. But um, I think there's about as many as ten clubs. I would say that are kind of all in the mix to to push for that top six, and I think we'd certainly be one of them. Yeah, and you mentioned going full time. Um, in terms of like on the field, like day to day, what is actually the difference between part time and full time? Well, I suppose the only real difference is that the lads don't go to work after training. Is <laughs> Yeah. Probably that's the only difference. You know, they don't really train any more than a part-time team would. Um, you know, part-time teams would train three to four times a week. Like I said, they just train at some evenings and weekends. Whereas our guys would be able to get that. I think the key part of it is to get the the recovery in. Um, so you know, after a game, they they can they can go for a swim and they can do their recovery. Whereas they're not having to go and do a an eight ten hour shift at work. So that's probably the the key difference. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of like the wider game, we've had Magic Weekend, you know, in Newcastle for quite a few years now. I think it's going back there this year as well. Um, has that helped the growth of rugby league in the city, and how has it impacted your club? Yeah, well, it's, it's probably been the catalyst of a lot of the growth. Um, like you say, since since the time it's been here, we've um, you know, the, the, the northeast games grew considerably. You know, linking in with us as the pro club. Um, I think we're 40-odd percent up on where we were um, even two years ago. You know, it's, it's crazy, the growth, really. Um, and, and you're starting to see a lot of kids at community clubs, not only you know a lot of them wearing Thundertops, but you're seeing lots of them wearing your Leeds and your Wiggins and your, you know, different Super League clubs. So I think it shows that there's a lot of appetite for Rugby League in Newcastle and certainly a lot of appetite for a team in the Super League that hopefully one day uh, we could give them. Yeah, Uh so, in terms of growing the game, like, what are some of the methods that you're using, like, to to increase participation and you know getting fans down and that, stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's probably how close we work with the community game. Um, I, it's probably a bit unusual for this country, certainly more similar to how they would run it in Australia, where the professional club of that area would control 
have a heavy stake in control in the community game, so it would plan and run the fixtures, it would all tie into a certain calendar that would help push major events like the stadium, so like the finals days would be linked into a home game and you, you have that big swell of the crowd. Um, we've got development days all planned into the schedule, so it's all there's not a lot of heads getting butted, there's not a lot of um, red tape and different various committees that you've got to get stuff passed, so you save a lot of time on, on all the red tape and everyone just kind of works together to, to try and get as many kids playing the sport, really. Um, and I guess it's kind of all is a big partnership of linked into the academy, the foundation, and all that working together. And, and the school's coaching gives us a pretty good return on, on kids playing it. I think we're, I think there's probably over a hundred schools that um, that are getting uh, rugby league coaches uh, coached now. So uh, um, it, it's massive, really, and it's growing all the time. It's certainly in in a lot of areas now becoming um, you know a key sport for that school. Yeah. And in terms of your predictions, like you've got this bold target of reaching uh, Super League by 2030. We're a few years into the, that target, you know, 22 now. How would you assess the progress of that, reaching that target by 2030? Yeah, look, I, you know, it, it, it is an ambitious uh, statement, but, it, you know, it's certainly one of them, if you're in sport, you want to try and get the highest level as you can. I, I would say that's a lot of people's targets and, Look, it's it's about doing it sustainably and in growing the correct way. You know, we took a lot of years in you know League One really sort of laying the foundations and, and putting that bedrock in place of the community game so that we've got the next few generations of fans coming to the stadium. You know, to, we could have done it a lot faster and just spent a lot of money and, and done that, but it would have been the wrong way to do it. So the same applies now. We've just got to take that next step now, and, and it's continuing to grow not only our fan base but our commercial. Um, partnerships with, with local businesses and growing that that commercial area of the club is, is the next key step um, on, on the way there and look at the end of the day the, the, um, if we get there it'll be down to performance on the pitch and, and that's that's not going to happen overnight you know it, it is it is a you know whether we'll get there in 2030 or, or 2040 or 2050 or whatever it'll, we'll get there when we get there and it'll be the right time because we've done it the right way um, so it's we're not I was going to say we're not really putting time skills on it because we went out there with a statement, but that that is the kind of that is the bold statement. But we just need to make sure that we're not really looking at the end goal. We're just looking at you know trying to yeah. incrementally improve every year, and, and we'll, we'll get there when we deserve to. Yeah, and you mentioned you you could have just gone and done it in a few years or whatever. Um, how important is it to actually you know um, grow that? Uh, naturally let's say rather than you know we saw what Toronto they just shot right up into Super League is the thinking that perhaps if we did that it won't be sustainable you know over a certain period yeah I, I, I think you've got to create you know to do what Toronto have done that that was their model I'm not really really going to criticise because they did get the Super League and there was a lot of things that didn't go that way with the pandemic and stuff which kind of ended that but you know we went to Toronto and it was an amazing it was an amazing experience, and I fully believe that Super League fans haven't experienced that. Would it, it would have been a different outcome now? But um, for us, yes, you know, I, I do believe you've got to create that story on the way up there. You've got to, you know, we want you want dads bringing their kids, and and then the brothers and sisters all, all sort of becoming fans of the club, and that that takes time. It takes 10, 15 years to kind of grow that that in. So we are, you know, we're firmly one of the clubs in Newcastle that people want to go to watch in the summer, and that. That that doesn't happen just by plucking a team and putting it in Super League. I think when they were last in Super League in two thousand, sorry, in nineteen ninety nine, you know the crowds were actually 
back then high on average by a few thousand than what the Newcastle Falcons got at the time. So it shows that elite rugby leagues is going to attract fans um, and we can get that up again. I think it was around about 4,500 that they had on average. That's actually higher than a handful of Super League clubs get now. And that, yeah. and that was without the groundwork we've got now. So I'm very, very confident that a Newcastle side in Super League could very, very easily yield six, 7,000 plus crowds. Yeah, so you're obviously confident then because... Um, you know, we've we've seen other teams uh, outside of the Heartlands, you know, of who have sort of failed. Really, how come you? So, do you think Newcastle couldn't book that trend then of constantly, you know, teams who just disappear after a bit? Yeah, because I, I wouldn't class us as being out of the Heartlands, because I would say, well, what what is a Heartland? You're probably referring to most of our kids play the game well. We've got we. I think we were the only area, one of the only areas in the country that's shown consistent growth on a five-year-plus period. So I, I would say you know we've got an academy side that is competing, a scholarship side that is competing with other Super League clubs. We've got four kids. We had four kids on the last England Under Eighteen program, which was higher than six Super League clubs. So I would question what is what is the definition of Heartland, and I would say we'd probably fit that bill now. Yeah. And you've have you one of the few clubs who have got uh, an RFL Academy license. Um, how does that help with what you're trying to do? You know, it's ma- it is massive for us to have that opposition to play. Um, you know, you've got kids who've got to play at the highest level they can and compete. But you know, it, it does enable us to then play opportunities. But it's you know, it, it's so that the kids can see that full pathway through the system. You know, having these the 16s, the 18s, and then the reserves. It's, it's that full pathway and I think that's so important um, for a kid that starts off his journey that he is able to see that I can reach um, the first team and I can go through that full process. Um, so it, 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 the academy, it, you know, and, and credit to the owner, it's been at a high expense to do, but he firmly believes and wants local kids representing this club at the highest level and that's the only way you can do it over a sustained time. Yeah. and um, So you've gone full-time this year is it is it not like too soon to go full time given your targets twenty thirty? What is the thinking behind going full time this year? You know the main the main theory behind it is that on location of where we are based, um, going part time and, and having people travel two to three hours you know, twice, three times a week, it just wasn't feasible. Um, you know, we found out last year where we you know, purely on training time, we would sometimes have one training session a week because you know we, you'd be by the time that people got there and were stuck in traffic, you'd get on the field for fifty minutes and it would be an early time to, to call it a day. So purely on training hours, it's just not um, it's not feasible to be part time in, in in the championship for us. You know we have to make that step in. And going full time, you probably lose out on some of the um, the better players in the league. Um, but long term, it's it's the right it's the right step to do. So. People look at full time and go, well, they should be the top of the league because they're the full time. It's not. It's not necessarily the case. It's um, it's a lot of. It's more about the processes and you know putting everything in place to enable us, um, you know, to achieve that. But we need to have. It's going to take. It's going to take a few years. Um, whilst we're full time, it's very much at its infancy. We've we've got so much more to improve on and so much more to do to, to turn this to into the, into the club that we want to be. Yeah, and in terms of attendances, what how would you rate them so far this year? Uh, exactly as planned or as where I thought they would be. So we the, the big difference with this season is where we 
having previous as we've started nearly sort of six weeks earlier. And um, you know, we would never normally start in the, the last week in January, it'd be more like mid March when uh, into the spring when the season would start. And our community game ties in with that. But the kids haven't even went back to community clubs when January hit, so you know, we, we lose out on a lot of our community initiatives, a lot of our community clubs where we haven't engaged with yet to the start of the season. So we did anticipate the first two um, home games to be very low um, very low crowds for us um, to what we've had in previous years. But but overall, we will average our highest. This season, we will average our highest ever um, average crowd throughout the season. Uh, um, you, you're obviously firmly saying that. Um, how, how do you know that, like? Yeah, because you know we've um, we've got plans in place for various games. We've got um, sort of big big ticket items in there. Which we've got uh, we've got some massive community festivals, which again add so many onto the onto the, the crowd. So a lot of these key events that we have planned in the calendar, and I think the over the last fourteen rounds of the season, ten are at home. So we've got a lot we've got a lot of home games come the end of the season in the summer, and we do so much better playing in the summer with the crowds. So. I'm I'm really confident that um, that we will see uh, some huge crowds. And you've got a promotion on at the moment for the the game on Premier Sports. Uh, tell us why you've targeted that game and how how is that going in terms of you know ticket sales? Yeah, you know we, we made the call early that to you know to attract people on that Monday night. You know I think the clubs that get to play these games as well. I think we have a duty of sort of promoting the sport the best we can as well and making sure that that that. It looks the best it can be on the TV, and you know the, the, you've seen with the um, viewing figures have been huge. And I think if we can, if we can, if the look and feel of the game's great, it just attracts so many more fans. So we, we chose to go with that five pound offer across the board and make it as cheap as possible for people to bring families down. Um, you know, again, it's it, it's hopefully going to be a very very well attended fixture. Um, you know, I, we I, I can't re- the tickets are going really well. I think there's over. 700 pre-sold uh, we've still a few weeks to go so um, all being well you know we'll get towards that 2000 if not more yeah and in terms of the game as a whole you know it seems seems after a few years of doom and gloom it seems to be you know on an upward curve with new broadcasters on board and we've got news of proposed realignment as well uh, in the next few years how do you see the sports you know strength yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, uh, I'm normally pretty positive about the sport anyway, but it's it's kind of, it, 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 it seemed like a step change for, for me. We were at a bit of a crossroads. I think we took the right direction. Um, I think the game is, the, the broadcast of the game is the best it's, it's, it's ever been. There's more games on TV. The viewership's fantastic. Um, you know, the, the sport is, is, a, is, a, is a fantastic spectator sport. So I can only see it going to, to, to very, very good places. In a World Cup year especially, um, it's you know it's outstanding. Who would have thought it five six years ago that you'd be able to watch live championship rugby league on Premier Sports and they'd be getting seventy eighty thousand people watching it, which you know is astronomical numbers. And you know with that with the hour league app and the games that were streamed and, and there's so many games from the community through up to women's super league across the sport. So I don't think we've ever been in as strong position as we are. Uh, and, and you know the good thing is, and what I think people forget is. We're probably trendsetters rugby league in terms of that. You know, the hour league app, that's just what other people have started doing now. Yeah. You know, we, we've been doing that for the last two, three seasons. So, you know, we are. I would say that, you know, the sport is, is very forward-thinking and um, 
it, it's only really going to get going to get stronger from this point on. Yeah, and you know, um, come let's just say Cumbria, they they've got a really strong community. Um, game and obviously lots of good players come from Cumbria um can will we see Newcastle becoming like a hotbed of of talent in the next few years with with what you're doing yeah I mean look it's you say say that with with Cumbria and you know we we do we actually have some cross competitions in the local leagues with Cumbria you know that their teams enter our cup competitions and we actually did run some development days in Cumbria and I think we've probably got 10 plus Cumbrian kids on our academy that travel across massive dedication traveling across two days a week um, for academy and you know and some of them live over here now and the pleasing thing for us is kids that have come on our academy and progress right through from 15 to scholarship through to academy into the reserves that haven't been retained or chosen to stay on you know and get a chance at the first team they've actually went on now and back to their home clubs and, and playing the first team so Malik Steele and here and walk and now starting every week for working in town. That's that's pleasing for us because we're not just there to create players for Newcastle Thunder, we're there to try and create players for the sport. So you're now starting to see Newcastle trained kids across all clubs. The heart you know, Midlands, um the Coventry have got three or four of our of local lads play for them. I had Dan Capote playing down in, in Coventry last year down in London. You know, we've got kids playing over in France. We've got Kieran Hudson now at Castleford Tigers. He signed full time Cast Tigers. You've got Sam Luckley, who's now a regular at Salford. So these are these are northeast northeast kids, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and in terms of the game, the the actual game on the field, you know, we've got these new rules that are clamping down on, you know, dangerous tackles and whatnot. Where do you stand on the 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 amount of yellow cards and stuff that's happened? Yeah, I think look the. I mean, the, the yellow cards, the, the, I suppose the refs are, are referring it to by the, by the law, by the rules that have been given. I mean, it's you know, you've got to protect, I think as well as we all love the, the high collision that there is in the sport, but you also have a duty to care of protecting the players that play it and making sure that they've got a quality of life beyond playing the sport. Um, so we do have to watch um, you know, the, the head high contact and what we're doing there. Um, I th- personally... I don't really have an issue with that. I do think there's been some really, really silly, silly yellow cards for the slightest late hit, um, which I, you know I think someone's committed to, and you've got to be careful of what you take out of the sport. But all in all, um, I think you've just got to be really safe for what you're doing um, with, with a head high contact. Yeah. In in terms of your coach Eamon O'Carroll, um, has he said to the players like we, we might have to change the way we're going into tackles and stuff like that, or is it just? You know, just be sensible, like when you're doing things. Yeah, you know, you've got to be careful. That you don't want to take out, you know, you, you don't want to take out what the players are, are, are good at, and in, in the physical side of it. But it is, it's just, it's just, you know, at the start of the season, it's always going to take a while for the referees and players to adjust to how new rules are settled in. So I, I will, you know, you you will start to see a sort of decrease in the amount of yellow cards, disciplinary action. Um, so that that will come down. It just, it's always, it's always the same, isn't it? When there's new and there's new yeah. um, interpretations of rules that are in place at the start of the season. Get the first five, six rounds out of the way and things restart the work itself out. And that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks again to John and Robinson for coming on the show. And just before I go, just telling you that this Thursday or Wednesday, there's going to be another episode of Shoulder Charge because there's a pretty big game coming up this weekend. 
Whitehaven v St. Helens, Saturday 2pm. It's live on the Sportsman, so make sure you're tuned in for that. But we're going to be doing a bit of a preview to that, giving you a bit of statistics and whatnot. We'll have Ryan King on. You'll hear from Andrew Canavan as well. So do stay tuned for that. It's coming up this week, ready in time for the big match on Saturday. And who knows, Whitehaven might pull off a shock like Toulouse did at the weekend. They were 30-1 to uh, Toulouse were to win. God knows what Whitehaven will be, but it's going to be a big game nonetheless and hopefully massive crowds for Whitehaven. So stay tuned for that. And also, um, the Monday after that, next week's show, he's also with Ryan King as well, talking more about his career, moving over from Australia, why he thinks more young Australians should come over to England and a lot more. So join me for that. See you next week.